You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm teaming up with the website Rewire.news to explore the intersection of their work and mine on a brand new podcast called Get It Right. On Get It Right, we explore pop culture through the lens of justice, and particularly reproductive justice. I'll be talking to critics and creators about comics, movies, TV, music, anything is fair game. You can find it now on iTunes or Stitcher to search for Get It Right or Rewire. Give it a listen and drop us a review with any ideas for what you'd like to hear us cover. See you soon. Hi, I'm Greg Allen Williams, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm Cameron Bailey, Artistic Director of the Toronto International Film Festival, and you're now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, it's Sanaa Lathan, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, this is Kim Whitley from Next Friday, you know sugar, and you're listening to Black Girl Nerds. Yeah, they really are, y'all. Yo, what's up? This is Shale Hadari Coker, the showrunner and creator and executive producer of Marvel's Luke Cage. You're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. tuning in to episode 145 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This episode is titled Behind the Jurassic World Junket. We dedicate a special episode to the new film Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which is currently in theaters right now. Not only does this episode feature the cast and the crew in interviews by our managing editor, Janita Davis, but she also gives us an inside look on what it's like to be at a press junket, as well as what it's like to be in a press junket in Hawaii, of all places. This great episode filled with do's and don'ts, pros and cons on all things related to press junkets by Janita Davis, and some interviews from great cast members and crew of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Episode 145, Behind the Jurassic World Junket. Hello, Black Girl Nerds. This is Jonita Davis, and I'm here to talk to you about my recent trip to Hawaii. Um, It was a junket for the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom movie. Um, I was sent there by the, you know, BGN, of course, um, and Universal Pictures to interview the celebrities in the film, some of the, the crew, 
and to really just see where they where the movie took place. They wanted to kind of immerse us in everything, um, which is okay with me because I never been to Hawaii before. I've been a fan of the Jurassic Park movies, Jurassic World movies since 1993 when the first one came out. And um, I've been a Jeff Goldblum fan for since like I was young, starting with The Fly, you know. He's a geeky guy with dark hair and glasses, okay? I was a little geeky kid with glasses. Of course, the first time I see somebody semi a little bit cool on the screen. You see where I'm going here? Okay, so anyway, that comes later. We'll, we'll, we'll circle right back to the Jeff Goldblum thing later. So, junkets are, for those of you who don't know, they're just a way, just kind of a marketing thing for these movies. Because... You have to get the word out somehow, right? So what better way to get the word out than to get all of the journalists from some of the major outlets out there and, you know, a lot of the smaller ones, get them together in one spot, treat them well, let them interview some of the main characters, uh, give them a shot at the director, the writer, maybe some producers or something, and, you know, give them some information about the movie and then send them home to talk about it and write about it and podcast. So this is my first time going to Hawaii. Um, the nine hour trip kind of was not terrible, but I don't know if you've ever been, if you've never been to Oahu, the airport there looks like something out of a 70s television show. I expected, you know, um, Magnum PI to come waltzing through any second. I mean, there was there's wood paneling everywhere, and there was a lot of open airspace, but nothing as modern and upscale as some of the other airports I've, uh, that I've been in. So, and that's not saying a lot. I mean, it, there's a lot of flowers and things like that, but it was just kind of jarring how. I don't think it was dated the airport. Maybe maybe that was the style they were going for. Who knows? But it really got me in, in kind of the mood for, you know, being in this tropical place. Uh, because if you remember some of the Magnum PI um, shows, they were set in the tropical in, in Hawaii, I think it was. So we landed there. I get out, go to get to the cab. And it's and I'm just looking at on the way to the hotel, some of the most beautiful um, structures, plants that I've ever seen. And we were, we're driving on the side of a mountain on one, on one side, you know, the mountainside's on one side and the ocean is on the other. And, you know, we weave inward and into the island, which is great. But, um, I come from Indiana. We're pretty landlocked except for Lake Michigan, but Lake Michigan has nothing on the Pacific Ocean, like nothing. So it, it was pretty amazing that, I mean, just the air, everything wasn't hot, even though it was Hawaii in June, I expected, you know, lots of heat, but there wasn't a whole lot. So we get to the hotel and it, of course, it's an amazing hotel. I'm greeted by a receptionist who has a cool mint towel um, and a fresh flower lay. So check in and I walk around a little bit. There are whole walls missing 
from this hotel, uh, exposed to the elements, uh, letting the air in, the sunshine in. It was an amazing place. I go up to my room, full view of the mountainside. It was amazing. It was amazing. It really, really was. I stood there probably for about 15, 20 minutes staring at the mountainside because it was just the greatest view ever. So um, I'm going to take a minute here to pause for a message from our sponsors. Okay, we'll be right back. We all know that between line sitting at fan conventions, gaming, and binge watching our favorite sci-fi TV shows, we nerds don't always have time to spend hours in the kitchen making meals that are good for us. But like everyone else, when it's time to eat, we want delicious, wholesome, high-quality food. What's a nerd to do? Take heart, it's Green Chef to the rescue. What's Green Chef, you ask? It's the first USDA-certified organic meal kit delivery service that includes everything you need to cook tasty gourmet meals. The meals are not only delicious, but they contain premium organic ingredients so you feel good about what you're eating and how it got to your table. I know what you're thinking. These hands were made for gaming, not cooking. But that's the beauty of it. Green Chef does most of the work for you. Everything you need comes right to your doorstep, and it's all hand-picked, pre-measured, and perfectly portioned. They do most of the prep, and the recipes are quick and easy with step-by-step instructions plus chef tips. They even have photos to guide you along. And no worries if you're on a special diet. Green Chef has you covered with tasty meals for every diet, including paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, and carnivore. And for each one, there's a variety of enjoyable, exciting options. All the recipes include pre-made sauces, dressings, and spices, so you get more flavor in less time. Green Chef offers a diverse array of recipes that range from global cuisines to classic comfort foods. Want even more variety? You can easily change your plan to try something new. Like you, Green Chef thinks dinner should be planned around your life, not the other way around. So try it today. You're at your computer anyway, right? Open a new tab in the browser, and for $50 off your first box from Green Chef, go to greenchef.us slash nerds. That's greenchef.us slash nerds for $50 off your first box from Green Chef. Bon appetit. So um, I'm in this room on the fifth floor looking at the mountains on, you know, out my window. The, The city is like carved into the mountainside gorgeous 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 if you want to see um any of these go to my instagram um my instagram name is uh, surviving teens and tots i have teenagers and toddlers that's a story for another time but it's at s-u-r-v-i-t-e-e-n-s-n-t-o-t that's me so or you can just do a search for jonita davis you'll find me but I posted the pictures. They were amazing. They were great. So I, I go there. I, I'm like looking around the room. The room is beautiful. Um, 
and I and I don't have much time because I have to get ready for the screening. So one of the things they do with the junkets is you screen the movie the like the day before, sometimes the same day, but usually the day before you go to interview the talent, um, the actors, and 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 everyone else. So we're going to watch the movie. I know that I'm going to be here with a lot of other people. I was already warned about that. I didn't realize that it was most everybody, you know, at the same time. I mean, like the the sheer number of people um, that were here from the press was was pretty daunting. I actually saw one of my local TV um, film critics, um, if you're from the Chicago area, WGNs, um, Dean Richards. He was there, got to talk to him. He's a really great guy. Um, really good sport. He let me get a picture for my grandma um, so that I could post it. Because if I told her, if I said I saw Dean Richards and didn't post a picture, she would shoot me. Um, but he he was so cool. There were other journalists that I'd only read their work or, or heard of them. And they were here, you know, walking around doing the same work that I was. So it's, you know, it was kind of, you know, pretty... But okay, um, but the so we went in to the movie, you know, and um, when it, it was at an actual movie theater, um, and we went in, watched it. Usually, it was it's a screening room somewhere, so that's no big deal. But the movie, the movie's great. I can't really say a whole heck of a lot about it because um, I don't want to give too much away. But I do want to say that this movie for people who are fans of the the Jurassic series will give you some closure and some very, very, very tearful moments while it's closing. Bring tissues, is all I gotta say. Bring tissues. Um, but it will also open a, no, a new chapter into a new direction that I never saw coming. Um, and I, I had to ask... Um, what, while I was doing my interviews the next day, are we going to be looking at some Planet of the Apes type of situation in the, the next film? Who knows? No one really answered that question, of course. But, um, these, there, it's, it's going to be, it's going to go in an amazing direction. There's some very, very funny parts. I really appreciated the fact that, um, it wasn't full of the mushiness and complex complexity of, a romance between the two main characters, Owen and Claire, Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, really appreciated that because that's not what Jurassic is about. Jurassic is about the dinosaurs, the struggle to save them while not being eating, eaten by them, and about evil corporations and activating to save the animals, even if they don't want saved, you know. So... Um, I, the film is amazing. You have to go see it. It, it opens Friday, June 22nd. Okay. So watch the movie. Um, amazing again. And we, we, uh, are told next day we're, you're getting up early and we have to go to a ranch. And I thought we're going to be interviewing these people inside this, you know, place that looked kind of like our hotel, but maybe it was like at the bottom of one of the mountains I was staring out at it, you know, um, from my window. Um, sure enough, we're bust up into the mountains and weaving all around. Now, one of the things that I would like to do someday 
is to go back to Hawaii because I, while we were weaving through these mountains, there were I saw a lot of roadside flea market type places. And I'm, I don't know about you all, but I'm the type of person that I can't pass by a yard sale without looking to see if they've got something cool and collectible. Because, I mean, I, I am a nerd at heart and I love um, old cameras, old things, old toys, old books. Um, my husband's a collector of old toys. Um, my kids collect things. Um, we love just searching and, and pawing through things. So there are a lot of little roadside flea markets and sales and, you know, food, little food shacks and things. And I thought if I had a car to myself and I can just go and just stop and crawl through, this would be the most amazing experience ever. So that's on my bucket list. Go back to Hawaii, rent a car and drive myself through the mountains. You know, with my husband and kids, probably. Because, you know, I, I think it, it, it'd be fun by myself, but not as much as if I had them with me. Um, it, it'd be great to go back. So we're weaving up through the mountains and going further and further up until we finally get to the other side of the island. There's ocean and there's more mountain. But this mountain is does not have a house on it. It looks like it's, it's uninhabited, actually. Except for a couple of cows that I see every once in a while which was really weird at first so I figured out they were part of the ranch um turns out the the mountains we went to were part of a, a reserve they um were not people were not allowed to hike on them or propel down them or anything there were trails but you had to stay on those designated trails um so this place pretty much was pretty pristine and I found out it was also the location of 50 movies. 50 movies. So the big King Kong Skull Island, it was filmed there. Jumanji, filmed there. Most of the Jurassic, well, I think all of the Jurassic movies were filmed there at some point. Um, what else? There was, there were so many movies. Every time I turned around, there was a sign that said such and such film was filmed here and here and here and here, like all over the place. So 50, 50 movies. So um, that was amazing. Um, seeing, being, we, we kind of arrived in the valley and the way they had it set up is they had tents set up at different stops along the the mountain so you can you go up and at one tent is one person you do an interview with and then there's another there's another there's another there's a huge hospitality tent and if you go to these things hospitality means great food there's actually a guy there who's opening fresh coconuts to drink coconut water out of um which was really nice um so we had to travel the journalists. We were in teams where they call us pods and we had to travel from tent to tent to do our interviews. Um, and end up, we'd, we'd end up at the hospitality tent where we can eat, drink and just kind of kick back until the rest of the festivities started. Um, and it was great. It was a great day. It was so muddy. Um, I ended up wearing jeans and my converse, which is kind of, um, become my uniform. <laughs> um, but there were several journalists who had um, sundresses and heels and and I felt so sorry for them. Um, one of them we walked with, uh, who, who I spent the day with, um, Layla Muhammad. Hey, Layla. Um, she 
actually did not get a speck of mud on her, which I have yet to figure out how that happened. Um, she was just so graceful going everywhere. Um, one of my theories was that the mud was too scared to get on her. So it jumped on me because all of my jeans were covered by the time I got home. As a matter of fact, in, in the picture where I got a, I actually, you know, had a picture with Jeff Goldblum. I kind of leaned away from him because I had mud on my jeans and I was trying not to get it on his coat. So, um, we, we kind of were trekking through mud. It was, it was really, you know, we were really out there in the outdoors for this. Um, and I hadn't expected that, but it was really cool. It was really, really cool. So we, we did our interviews. I interviewed Colin Trevorrow, um, first, um, learned some great stuff. Um, he talked about the trilogy, gave a few hints about the next one, but not much, not much at all. Um, then, um, I got to interview J.A. Bayona, who was very, very great. Um, I, I, I'd really like to talk to him more in depth. Um, when I could talk about spoilers I, in my interview with him, you could see where I'm kind of stumbling and, and things. I'm trying to work myself around the spoilers because all my questions had to do with the spoilers. All the questions I had for him was about a spoiler. So I tried to to frame my questions where I couldn't, didn't stumble, but he was really great. He knew what I was talking about, what I was trying to get at. Um, so he, that was a great interview. That interview is up today, actually, um, on, uh, BGN, uh, Black Girl Nerds, uh, YouTube channel. So we, I did those interviews and we, we walked through the day and, and we, in between, we were like gazing off the side of the mountain, taking selfies. Uh, people who had signal, they were giving live updates. It was amazing. It was an amazing day. Just the view from the side of the tent was it was it looked like we were falling off a cliff into a valley, but there was just there was a lot of terrain to, behind us. It was it was really totally safe, but it looked it looked so dangerous from the pictures. So. But my next interview was an interview that I've been waiting all day for, and I was so nervous when I got to the tent. My interview with Jeff Goldblum was next. And I I had questions for him, a few of them. Tried to memorize something, but as soon as I saw the guy, he just kind of, everything, I just forgot everything. It, it, I mean, he was my teen crush type of guy. So, you know, meeting him kind of was like, kind of took me back, way back. And he he kind of took my hand to shake it. And then he said my name and just kind of drew it out and I was done. So um, that interview was kind of all over the place and awkward because I was trying to keep myself together. I ended up almost insulting him by saying, uh, or talking about his small role in the film, but I, I tried to recover from that. I didn't, I realized that I was insulting him while I, the question was coming out of my mouth. You could actually see that, probably see the realization in my eyes that some, that some I was about to say something bad and I started, my mouth started backpedaling and I don't think we completely made it, but I made it up a little bit later because his role, though small in this film, is still pivotal. Um, he kind of frames the entire uh, film and foreshadows what there is to come. He kind of sets us up to let us know where we come, where we've come so far 
and and where we're going, um, which is really interesting. So in all of my spasticness um, during this interview, one of the things I did remember is what Layla told me beforehand is that Jeff Goldblum will, you know, take, he will start talking and go on his own little tangent. And sure enough, right smack in my interview, you'll see it. Look for the discussion of rain. That wasn't one of my questions, but it was still cool. So afterwards, he was cool enough to let us get take pictures, um, which was really, really, really cool. I immediately, as soon as I got a signal, sent them out to everybody I knew um, and posted everywhere. But it was only then that I remembered something he said right when he shook my hand and I said my name and where I was from. I said, I'm Jonita and I'm from Black Girl Nerds. And he goes, Black Girl Nerds, ooh, my two favorite words in the English language. I should have right then followed up and said, what two words? But me being all caught up into, my, into uh, 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 the hot mess that I was at that moment, I forgot, I, I, I totally looked over, looked it, remembered it later, never saw him. I, well, I saw him again, but I never had a chance to ask him again. Um, which I'm kind of kicking myself for because that would have been interesting. But then, you know, it's like, okay. Um, it was still pretty cool. It was still a great interview. And I know he probably saw that I was nervous and kind of humored me a bit and just made it really fun because it was fun. It was really, really fun. Um, but it was great. So we were, he was, we interviewed um, after him, it was Justice Smith. Uh, which I interviewed Justice um, for another movie uh, a couple months ago. So I was kind of familiar with him. And uh, Danielle Pineda, Pineda, sorry, Danielle Pineda, we, uh, first, the, the moment I sat down and smiled and said my name, they're like, you're a member of the Gap Club. <laughs> yeah, my dad sort of, you know, kind of let me I inherited his gap in my in front of my two my two front teeth and apparently I didn't realize that they had they had the gaps too so that was one of the first things that you know came out so I was really loosened up when I talked to them and it was a really fun interview with them justice has some of the funniest scenes in the film so I was able to ask him about that um and then after I we talked to them uh, it was my last interview of the day it was with uh Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. So I, you know, that was the interview that, you know, I think some of my friends were looking up to. I'd already had the interview. I'd, I'd already, you know, done the interview I'd been looking forward to, which was Jeff Goldblum. I was done. I was, I'm like, okay, we can like do this net thing was standing near, near next to the tent and kind of heard Bryce and it was the sweetest thing. And I kind of, I when I figured out what she was doing, I moved away. But she was talking on the phone to her kids. And she had the, the mommy voice going. And you could tell she was talking to a couple of them at a time. Or one of them. Or, or some kind of chaos. Or talking to one in, in some kind of chaos. Just as mothers do. And it was kind of great to hear that motherly side of her. Because I, you know, you, you usually don't get to, to you know, know a, a celebrity like that and they're on such a high pedestal and they become these superhuman beings to like hear her talking to her kids like I would you know and talk to mine it was it was really refreshing and you know so I moved off once I figured out she's having a private conversation and I'll move away 
But right when I when I did that and I sat down where the press was, Chris Pratt kind of walks off the stage and goes off into a field and he takes a leak. So one that tells me that every story I've heard about how country he is is absolutely true. <laughs> and two, I everybody who we were watching, we were, we were we were speechless. It's like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? So we turned away. Um so it it, it was it was like the most awkward thing <laughs> um ever. Um, but you know, it had it been some, one of my, you know, me down visiting one of my Arkansas relatives, it would have been totally natural, I guess. But to see somebody again, once again, on a pedestal as a celebrity put up as a superhuman person going and taking a leak in, in the freaking field, it, it humanizes them, you know, um, which is a good thing. It really is. So my interview with them, I, I wasn't nervous. I wasn't as nervous as I could have been, I think. Um, so it went great. Um, uh, Chris had a little problem saying my name, which was, I mean, a little bit of, you know, disappointing after Jeff Goldblum practically sang it. Um, so, but, but it was, it was a really great interview. They have really great chemistry, the two of them. Um, I really think you're really going to like them in this movie. So, um, it, it, the whole day even was was it was just amazing this took place over several hours I mean I we started at eight something and my last my interview ended at I, I think three two or three and um uh, driving up and down the mountains okay this is the best part so the people who were driving us up and down these mountains they were in jeeps that were the jurassic park jeeps they had the, the stickers on the side um they were like the newer model jeeps but they had the jurassic park stickers on the side and the guys inside had the the either some kind of military garb on with an engine sticker on them which was pretty cool or they had jurassic park insignias all over their their clothing totally cool it was it was it was so cool it was like we were totally immersed and someone asked one of our drivers you know about you know having the stickers and things and he said that they were cosplayers and hired to come and do this job you know so that that was that was fun I don't know you know I I don't know actually where the, they came from or who hired them or what but we just thought it was really cool that they had the garb on and they were like, we were like getting driven around by Jurassic security and engine security. Um, so, um, and then, you know, after that, the interviews, I wasn't done. I was not done. Not done. I'll tell you about the rest of it in a minute. We got to take a break. Be back inside. So if you're anywhere on social media, you've probably seen celebrities, non-celebrities, and literally everyone and their sister promoting a detox tea. So to be honest, it made me a little curious. I'm not like diehard into fitness or dieting like at all. I just kind of live a normal life. But the benefits that Teamy Blend's 30-day detox program claims to give made me want to try it. So, since I was so curious, I got in touch with them, and they're the sponsor for today's episode. I started this 30-day program more than two weeks ago, 
And since I am not a fitness model by any stretch of the imagination, I wanted to give you guys a rundown of what this program can do for the normal person. First of all, did you know that the average person has 10 to 15 pounds of toxins and gunk in their gut? Ugh, gross. Having this buildup prevents weight loss and makes you feel much worse on a daily basis overall. Well, that's exactly what I noticed when I started this program. When I started getting rid of these toxins, I found myself having so much more energy. It got rid of any bloating I had, which I know a lot of women, including me, get annoyed about. Overall, I feel just so much better. I can't speak for all detox programs, but the Teamy Blends Detox is a program that actually works like the reviews. Go to teamyblends.com. That's T-E-A-M-I blends.com and use the code NERDS to get 25% off your order. Again, that code is NERDS, N-E-R-D-S, to get 25% off of your order. There is this thing called stand-ups that we had to do. Um, and, and it was my first, again, I, I really wasn't familiar with, with a lot of what we were doing. So I went along, we took a helicopter to the top of the mountain that the, you remember the one that was uninhabited and, you know, didn't look like anybody had been on it or anything. They hadn't. The only way to get to the top of it is with a freaking helicopter and the landing strip for the helicopter. I kid you not is probably as wide. Um, well, probably square at the size of a king size bed. It was, it was so small, so tiny. Um, and the precision that this guy had to have to land on that spot was amazing. Oh, the helicopter was from Magnum PI. It had to been same colors, same look, same everything. Um, and I'm not sure if it actually was, or if it was just painted that way and designed that way, but it was close enough. Um, so we get to this top of this mountain and the only way down is the helicopter, which took off with the last set of people to take them back down to the resort. So we were stuck. And if our helicopter guy had problems or decided that he was done for the day, we weren't getting down because there was no way down. No way down. None at all. Now, on top of a mountain, what is it like? It's slippery and it's muddy mud everywhere it's like yeah there's a lot of vegetation a lot of grass and everything but underneath that that grass is mud so we got even dirtier <laughs> which i didn't expect but um it was we it was up we they took us up there to to film what they call a stand-up which is like an introduction to this all this material they took they had taken us to the prettiest spot on the entire mountain. Most beautiful place ever. Go to my Instagram, you'll see it. Um, the most beautiful spot ever to just get up there and tell people who we are and what we're doing. Now, I have problems speaking publicly because I'm such an introvert, I'm such a nerd. Um, the interviews are bad enough, but me having to talk to a camera about me and no one else. That is like the hardest thing ever. So I stumbled and stumbled and stumbled. So the people who were with us, I had to give a shout out to them. They were really great um, in, in helping me. Lamar from Global Grind, 
uh, he, he actually asked, can I give you some direction? Can I give you some direction? And I'm like, yes, please help me. <laughs> and I have to tell you guys. So he gave me like the best advice that I needed, advice I needed to hear that I had been needing to hear for like a long time. Um, he and the, the other two journalists that were with us, Nina from Fox Miami, um, was one of them. And so I, I really have to shout out to those guys, to those two, because the, the advice they, that they gave me together was tremendous. It was, you have to do the fangirl thing. This is your thing. It's your stick. It, it, it's, it's endearing. It's, it's great. It's what makes you, you. So don't try to be proper and professional. Be the fangirl. So that's my trip. Um, I hope I didn't leave out too much um, for you, but hopefully this was like a little bit of a learning session because here at Black Girl Nerds, we understand that not all of you are just fans wanting to hear the latest dirt on the celebrity. We know that a lot of you are writers who are trying to come up and into this industry. So we like to kind of give you some tips and give you some insider information. And hopefully this is what this, this is, you know, what happened here. And, um, hopefully this is something that I can do again. Who knows if, you know, I guess through your comments, if you comment on this, yes, please comment on this on the podcast. Um, we will know if, you know, this is something I should do. Or if it's something that you're like, yeah, girl, you really need to stick to writing, you know, let me know. Okay. Well, it was really great talking to you. Really great putting this down on the podcast. Um, thanks for sitting here letting me have a half an hour of your time um, to tell you about my trip. And hopefully we can do this again. Okay. Bye now. Our next segment features interviews from the cast and crew of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. This includes actor Jeff Goldblum, director J.A. Bayona, and actors Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard. So I, I saw the movie last night, saw you, um, your, your big speeches before Congress, and that was it. So I was, yeah, I was wondering, was it like, I mean, you've been so prominent in the series. Was it, was it kind of, I mean, how did it feel just, you know, not kind of staying on the sidelines this time? (laughs) No, I didn't think of it that way, you know, um, and I'm always more interested in the substance of a part. And I guess the inner, the richness of the inner thinking and feeling of a part than, than, Screen time. You definitely set the tone. You definitely set the tone. Oh, good. Well, I certainly had. It was a lot to, for me to munch on, you know. And with um, Colin Trevorrow, who wrote mm-hmm. wrote it, who wrote directed the last one, mm-hmm. who ostensibly is writing and going to direct the next, next one. one. He's yeah. writing it along with with uh, Emily Carmichael. Yeah. Um, he's brilliant. And to get a chance to, and I afforded myself the opportunity of getting a chance to talk to him mm-hmm. and talk about all the things in my speech and figure out the best way, the most concise and effective and interesting mm-hmm. and colorful way mm-hmm. to say that and to present my character again mm-hmm. in a little snippet. I really got a big kick out of that. And then J.A. Bayona, mm-hmm. who I think did a great job. He's a wonderful director. I'd seen his other movies before this. Mm-hmm. Worked with him in the same way. He was very passionate and passionate about what my character needed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, and so it was just great, great to work with Emily. It was. Yeah, you seem to like um, get every bit out of the, the words of your speech. And, and then, you know, then we go into the action and it's like, well, you know, it was almost like foreshadowing. Yeah. Yes, and through, yeah, I don't want to give anything away, but yeah. through the course of the events of the movie, mm -hmm. you come to think about maybe what I was saying yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. in a little different, with a little different perspective. And mm -hmm. I'm sure the participants do, too, if, if Bryce's character and Chris's character had heard yes. me say that. Uh, they may have a different view by the, uh, you know, yeah, by yeah, a few yeah, days yeah. later, and then yeah. you see me at the end, and mm -hmm. ooh, and so I talk yeah. about what we've, so so what I say maybe resonates with what we've seen, yes. but also with what the, you know, the the ghost of Christmas future, uh, yes, what yes, that yes, portends, yes. you know. Yes. So. Um, in the next film, it's raining. Does everybody know this yeah. sound? This beautiful sound, which I hope doesn't it, doesn't obscure us, but it's oh, a no. very beautiful look. Right. Look and, at this. And we watched it. Can Isn't it gorgeous? In? It's yeah. it's a Hawaiian rain. It's a very particular kind of balmy, mm, you know, coconut juicy kind of thing. Um, one last question. Um, you've watched this movie evolve, you know, from the beginning. What is the best evolution? What what, what have you seen just really come to? It's peak, and, and you know, at this point. Two things occurred to me. Mm -hmm. uh, um, well, you can't get a better start, you know. Michael Crichton's book and Steven mm -hmm. Spielberg, but J. A. Biona and, and Colin Trevorrow—the way they've done it, the way they've—and all the technologists, mm -hmm. if that's what they're called—who bring these creatures to life. It's it's evolved, and uh, it's very scary and. Yes. And amazing, and that's something. But the way they tell the story, and the way they've included some of these ideas that I get to make a remark or two about, mm -hmm. is uh, interesting to me and clearer. You know, my character in the first one, I think, said something like, "Hey, science does yes. a thing, but then it does another thing." Uh -huh. I don't know. Is it okay? <laughs> in this movie, it's a little clearer mm -hmm. that I say science is not to blame. Right. Science and human investigation and curiosity is a okay. It's greed mm -hmm. and militarism and political stupidity that we must fight with every cell in our bodies. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. I think this is the first movie where I, I felt so much emotion watching <laughs> um, some, of the, some of the sequences and, and everything. Um, I was wondering if you could talk about, you know, how you made this movie more, um, you know, than just an action film. How, I mean, how did you go about putting so much into it, so much energy in a movie? I think the biggest change in this uh, Jurassic uh, movie is that it's about the relation that we have towards the dinosaurs. It's mm -hmm. about empathy and how we accept to understand these creatures. Uh, and in that case, it had to be very emotional, mm -hmm. especially you have this relationship in the center between Owen and Blue mm -hmm. uh, that makes uh, the subject matter of the movie even more meaningful. Yes, yes, uh, and definitely. And you bring back... You create, I mean, there's so many new new dinosaurs yeah. that we become attached to, but there's some old ones. Um, and some in particular that I think that, you know, you're kind of going to give fans a, a tearjerker moment. <laughs> um, did you, <laughs> uh, what, what was the thinking behind, you know, this, uh, having such a, such an emotion, such a, uh, you know, a tearful end <laughs> uh, to one of our favorite dinosaurs? Yeah, well, I think it's, a, it's the movie tries to be kind of like this roller coaster, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you have had a massive adventure in the island with an eruption of the volcano, mm -hmm. and you're telling the end of Isla Nublar. And, and you know, we've been in Isla Nublar for four movies. It's a yes. very emotional 
place for us because mm -hmm. we've, we grow up watching the, the, the Jurassic movies, you know, and, and suddenly it's the end of a dream. Mm -hmm. We're closing a circle that started 25 years ago. And it's kind of like uh, the ending of that dream, you know. It had to be emotional. It had to be very, like, a, like a moment that creates an impact in the audience. Yeah, and in other words, somebody had to die. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so um, I, also another of the big creatures that were that was there, um, the, the the opening scenes, the big yeah, uh, the T-Rex. Yes, um, um, the well, I'm talking about the, the underwater big mosasaurus. Yes. Um, what ha are we going to see? What happens uh, <laughs> in the next movie? Sure, yeah. I think uh, it's very <laughs> it's very interesting that this is the second chapter mm -hmm. of the trilogy. So that you are somehow picking up the repercussions of the first movie, and you're planting the seed for the third one. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, there are things that uh, are open in that sense uh, yeah. to the next episodes. Yeah, yeah, you got you left a lot of unfinished sentences. <laughs> we'll say that. So, um, and, and then there seems to be a lot of paths that are going to be crossing, and, and you know, with you've got some cloning, you've got some a lot of human animal crisscrossing in uh, the suburbs. <laughs> so, <laughs> is, are we going to have a little Godzilla action? You know, <laughs> T Rex stopping some houses or something. <laughs> well, I think it's very exciting where uh, Colin is taking the franchise one step forward and opening uh, the possibilities to places that we've mm -hmm. never seen before. Okay, yeah, um, and, and, and it was terrific, and, and you know, just with the animals interacting with the humans and, and this whole, it seems like this whole movie brings back that environmental activism. Yeah. Um, did you intend to, to ramp that up really in this movie? I mean, it's been there before, but I think it's louder here. Sure, I mean, from the very beginning, uh, from the novels from Michael Crichton, uh, the intention was always to talk about the relation that man has towards nature and science. Mm -hmm. And in that sense, this movie uh, is another take on the world we live in mm -hmm. and a reflection, a thought on the world we live in. Great, great. Well, thanks for talking to me. And thanks for creating such a great movie. Watch the movie last night. It was great. Thank Both you. Both of you were great. Thank um, you, you led up to the last movie, this big romance. And... Um, it happened off camera. Right. <laughs> it was a family film after yes, all. Yes, yeah. yes. Come back, lead up to, I mean, uh, keeping the romance off camera, who, I mean, it was, was that the, the, the point, I mean, during the, when you first started filming this, did they tell you that there's not, this is not going to be a romantic comedy, you're not going to be, you know, doing anything like that, but, you know, this, the chemistry would be there. You had to. I mean, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, we we basically just wanted to make it realistic for the yeah. characters. We wanted to first of all, we didn't want to repeat the beats. We wanted the characters to to uh, have learned from the events of the first movie. Okay. Yeah. And then we also thought about the reality of who these characters were, and we determined that the likelihood is that unless they're under a, a, a an intense amount of pressure, mm -hmm. that bond between them might not last. Yeah. You know. Uh, we ride off into the sunset at the end of the first movie in this in this sort of romantic Hollywood type of moment, but this movie is a little bit more. The second movie we focus a little bit more on a reality of a relationship that mm -hmm. might not have worked, and and being able to depend on one another out of a sense of love, because the stakes are high, and um, it felt it just felt a little more realistic. And you know, honestly, it's it's better storytelling I think when you yeah. have tension against which you can operate because if we were just boyfriend and girlfriend at the beginning of the movie then it doesn't give you a giant arc at the end unless you want us to like break up at the end or something right and and all the funny stuff that happens in between yeah because in this one i mean i think you we set out thinking that chris you i mean you're going to be the hero you're the big man 
you know, wrangling dinosaurs. But I think Bryce, you end up being the badass yeah. several <laughs> times over. Yeah. So how was that? I mean, all this physical stuff you, that you both ended up doing. I mean, with the lava. Yeah. And uh, you know all the the <laughs> climbing over stuff and you know all the, <laughs> how yeah. was that? How did you guys approach I mean, all? It's th- awesome. Like getting. <laughs> Getting to do one of these movies, you know that there's going to be a lot of stunts. And, and every single one of these films, we're trying to kind of, like, be fresh and, yeah. and, and exceed expectations mm-hmm. and surprise people. And, and I think that, that there's a lot of new things in this movie that people mm-hmm. will appreciate. And we trained for those new things, like the underwater right. sequence uh-huh. in particular. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's it's great. And I, I love that. And I, I love... I love that these movies have consistently kind of um, gone against gender stereotypes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've yeah. done that from the beginning. And so, yeah, yeah. it's cool. Well, our characters are on this journey, on this adventure together. Mm-hmm. It's not that one character's on an adventure and he needs to, or she needs to rescue someone else along the way. It's like we're actually rescuing and saving one another's lives. And that happened in the first film mm-hmm. uh, and, it, and continues to happen in the second film. Right, right. And it looks like... Um, and the third one, uh, you're going to be saving everyone well, in the we'll, suburbs. So, we'll yeah. Stay, yeah. <laughs> so, any predictions for the fans? For part three, I think the end of this movie really opens up, uh, opens up a world where a lot of different things can happen. I mean, I loved seeing the shot of the. Well, I don't want to say what happens in the end, but there's a yeah. there's an amazing thing with uh, the wa- the mosasaurus, which is the, the dinosaur from the water. Mm-hmm. That's pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. I think like looking at this technology being potentially no spoiler, in the wrong hands and the possibility of them, these animals being weaponized. I mean, that's, that I can picture some pretty, pretty dope scary. sequences mm-hmm. that could happen with yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 it's cool. It's exciting. It's been a contained story up until this point. You know, it's been largely on Isla Nublar. And so now that this technology is out in the world and the dinosaurs are off the island, it's kind of like all bets are off. Who knows what's going to happen? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for listening. This episode was brought to you by Green Chef and Teeny Blends. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.